This is Krista Wells, and you're listening to Frequency. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Frequency Podcast. This is episode 23, and I'm joined once again by my friend Joe Brookhouse. How are you, Joe? I am excellent. Thank you for asking, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing great, and I'm excited because we're on part two now of our interview with Matt. Can you say his last name? Michalatis. Michalatis. Yes. I practiced it, and then I failed miserably. <laughs> um. And I understand that you have uh, some good news. There's a new member to your family. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, depends on what you mean, though. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have people visiting from Ontario right now, friends. So technically, I have two other teenagers in my house, but I don't think you're talking about that. That is not what I mean. It's uh, <laughs> a Japanese visitor, I believe. A Japanese? Are you talking about a guitar? I am talking about a guitar, indeed. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, my my Norman guitar, which did not have a pickup in it, uh, I put a pickup in it, but it's failing, um, well, it's failing miserably too. <laughs> so I'm struggling with leading worship on Sundays with it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I had to uh, bite the bullet and purchase one, but my awesome friend, um, Winston from our local Long McQuaid store uh, in uh, Canada. He has set me up with a Takamini guitar from Ontario that's being shipped here, and I'm looking forward to introducing myself to it very soon, hopefully this week. Seriously, I, I can't think of many things that are as exciting as having a new guitar. And I, oh, I yeah. know that makes me a geek, but <laughs> um, what's, and I, you already know this, but it's kind of cool because I have a worship team member whose son works at Breedlove Guitars in Bend, Oregon. Mm. And it's all I can do to not go, hey, um, you know, if you have one that's just kind of not working out real well and you just want to, <laughs> you know, bring it by, I, I'd be happy to take some little wounded warrior off your hands. Yeah. Uh, aren't, aren't we all like that when we're musicians? We are because musicians generally a have very little money and b yeah. are mooches. <laughs> well, yeah, they're actually like pastors at conferences when they go to book tables that have free book. All the pastors just flock to them and grab as many books as they can. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. Do you? I, I don't know if you remember. Uh, you probably weren't part of this conversation, but Ben Abusada from All About Worship when he was still part of that. At one point, one of the congregants came up to him and asked him if he could have any guitar, which guitar would he want? And he, it was just a casual conversation. And so he he spoke of, and I don't remember what the brand was. I think it was a Martin or something like that. Some hmm. some very lovely guitar that was on his you know dream list. Anyway, mm -hmm. next Sunday, the guy shows up with that guitar. <laughs> nice. I, I have learned to be careful. Um, what you say around people because some people do want to bless you and you could really take advantage of things like that. So I always speak in generalities. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't, I really don't want to manipulate situations and I'm, I'm not saying that he did. Um, but you have to be cautious uh, when those circumstances come up. Um, yeah. yeah, because 
some like I know the guitar he plays. I've seen video of him at his church, and he he plays a pretty sweet guitar. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. I uh, I remember at, at my church, and I've only I've been there now about fifteen months, but I remember it um, shortly after Christmas showing up, and the pastor came out and handed me a guitar case, and I'm like, "Holy cow! They bought me a guitar." No, it was just a case, but it was still. <laughs> but the thing was, is, <laughs> the thing was, is it was, it was such a blessing because my guitar case was actually held together with duct tape. So yeah. it was, uh, yeah. it was really. Oh, it's a, a truly Canadian guitar then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, it was you have good. you have to understand uh, Canadian comedy to get that joke. I don't, but, but. that's okay. I'll uh, <laughs> we'll let that. Uh, I'll pretend like I understood it. All I know is that duct tape is funny. My my nephew tells this little joke, you know, that silence is golden, but duct tape is silver. Think about right. it. But anyway, yeah, let's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, actually, you can get duct tape in all fashions now, but we're not going to go down that trail. No, no. All right. But moving uh, ahead. Yeah, moving ahead. I'm really excited to get the guitar. It didn't cost me a fortune, and my pal's actually setting me up with a case, so I'm really excited um, because it's probably the most used instrument in my arsenal, and uh, right now I have probably the weakest um, guitar, and I use it the most, so yeah. it'll be nice to have a new one. Let me, let me actually throw out two things. Yeah. Just for the sake of continuing something that brings somebody joy, I want to do another shout out to Hannah, one of our listeners who we shouted Woo-hoo. out to a couple episodes ago, because hey, apparently Hannah. when we gave her a shout out last time, uh, she wasn't expecting it. And, uh, and then her husband heard because he was in the room. So shout out to Hannah and a shout out to Hannah's husband. So glad you are listening and Hannah's husband, whatever your name is, uh, you should set this app up on your phone and download it. So you too can listen to frequency. <laughs> uh, and the other the other thing is is that um, today we posted a new book review, and it's uh, Atlas Girl by Emily Wieringa. Mark Newton, our contributor, reviewed it and loved the book. Go on and uh, check out that review. And uh, a blessing mm-hmm. to us, we're actually going to get the opportunity to interview Emily, and I can once again butcher her name uh, here in the coming <laughs> week. So... Uh, the book apparently is is excellent. It's a memoir, and um, so I have not read it yet, and uh, and I'm looking forward to picking that up. But anyway, now on to the on to the interview. I think this is your the fourth published book you have, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna do a shout out to the other three. Okay. Uh, My Imaginary Jesus, which is the first book I read by you, and uh, very Portland, Portlandia almost. I, I think they stole that show from uh, your book, by the way. <laughs> um, Night of the Living Dead Christian and uh, The Sword of Six Worlds. Now, I, the only one I haven't read is The Sword of Six Worlds. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time there, but I know the two that I have read, the reason I bring those up is it feels like in the books that I've read by you, your, your approach is definitely from a teacher mode. Even though I'm telling this, like my imaginary Jesus, I'm telling you an absurd story <laughs> that um, there's always right behind, but unapologetically, uh, but also not unassuming either, is the... I'd like you to get my point, and you're going to enjoy getting this point. Is that your intention? Is is that just the nature of your style of writing? Yeah, I I think one of the things I enjoy, it, not just in writing but in ministry and life, is not 
just laying out an essay and saying, here's three points that will convince you intellectually of a, of you should agree with me. Uh, what I find really interesting is taking the things that we all agree on, asking a couple of questions, yeah, maybe blowing it up to the absurd uh, so that we can look at it and say, well, something's not quite right in that. And then looking again and saying, okay, what have we gotten wrong? The whole point being, how do we see Jesus more clearly? And how do we follow him, right? As we see him more clearly, we follow him better. And so, yeah, in imaginary Jesus, I lampoon basically a lot of our silly things we say about Jesus or think about Jesus or feel about Jesus. And a lot of those came from my own life, you know, just looking at myself and examining myself and saying, does that even make sense? And in Night of the Living Dead Christian, it's the question of Christian transformation. If we're really following Jesus, why are we struggling so hard to have life change? Uh, yeah, and I, I find that really fascinating. And in this book, it's a similar thing. The, the question is, can we sneak up on, on the things that we assume are true and look at them and just ask the question, are they really? And if they are, praise God, let's hold on to those. And if they're not, we should jettison them, even if that feels scary. Yeah. Yeah, which, which it, it does. It, it does, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's been plenty of times as I've gone deeper into the Bible where I get to something and go, I think this is how I feel about this. And then I read it and I, and I study the word and the original language and I go, yeah, but I can't feel that way anymore. Right. Because that's not true. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. Right. There are these moments where you read something in scripture and go, I hope that's not saying what I think it's saying. Now, I understand you obviously have a day job, and I say obviously <laughs> uh only because one cannot sustain themselves on the income from four books. Yeah. Unless, I don't know, you're Richard Patterson and you can. Right. But in the Christian marketplace it doesn't work. So um, I'm familiar with your day job, but if you don't mind explaining to people what your day job is. Yeah, sure. So for the last 15 years, I've been on staff with Crew, which used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ. We changed the name. Yeah. And so it's a ministry. A large part of the organization does ministry with college students. The part of the ministry I'm in, uh, I, I was in that ministry for a long time. The part of the ministry I'm in now, uh, we work in cities all over the U.S. primarily working with uh, unbelievers, helping them find spiritual balance in their life and move toward Christ, with those who are already believers to find how to connect well in the workplace uh, and to share Christ without being freaks or doing anything yeah. illegal. Uh, and then <laughs> with, uh, with young believers, particularly college graduates, uh, helping them network into the church, into healthy Christian community, and to serve God and whatever they're called to uh, well and kind of help them make the transition from young adult to adult uh, in, the Christian, in the Christian world. Uh, so just trying to be a resource. We're not trying to replace the church or anything like that. We work in conjunction with churches. But yeah, so my day-to-day -day activities are a lot of spiritual conversations with people about Jesus, basically. And, and I assume that that influences your writing and vice versa. I mean, there, we see reflections. Oh, for sure. I, I think, uh, yeah, interacting with as many young people as I do, uh, I feel like I have a pretty decent idea of which theological questions are sort of the hot ones that people are trying to figure out. 
that they just they don't have the tools for or things have shifted in the culture that make them uncertain. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I mean, part of reality is for anyone in ministry, just deal with a lot of brokenness personally and in the people I interact with that are calling to talk about issues in their marriages or uh, dealing with things at work or you know s mistakes they've made and so I mean I think you see a lot of the world and the way it is and how Jesus intersects with that because you're in the Northwest and you know we have this TV show Portlandia that really lampoons this area that you and I live in my expectation would be that your job is felt all the more acutely or is all the that uh, all the more necessary because you have a culture that challenges Christianity as much as any and I live here the great unchurched Northwest there's fewer churches more unchurched in this area and we're not uh, ignorant and there's there is an intellectual pride about living here at least that would be something that I read into it having lived here most of my life um, do you find I don't know if you've done crew anyplace else but is you've probably talked to other leaders is it particularly challenging? Uh, I, think, I think it depends on what you mean by that. I think what works elsewhere doesn't work here. Okay. Um, so whereas maybe in, let's say, North Carolina, you might be able yeah. to do a bunch of surveys and find all the Christians who are interested and build a college club based on people who are at least nominally Christian or culturally Christian, that's... You know that might be a technique. I'm not saying anyone in North Carolina is actually doing that. I'm just saying that might be a technique that would work. Sure. That that would not work here. It wouldn't work well anyway. Uh, so, yeah. It, basically, it's it's cultural adaptation. It's looking at what do people actually want here. Where can Jesus meet with them? Where they actually have needs. Not just saying you should go to church because it's the right thing to do. But saying, what are your needs in life, and and I think Jesus can help you with that. Um, so what what's funny is I do hear people say, oh, a certain evangelistic technique or something wouldn't work in the Northwest. Uh, but I think evangelistic techniques work not because of techniques, but because of the Holy Spirit. So I sure, think the Holy yeah. Spirit does what He wants, and that can be a religious tract or a street preacher or a you know whatever. That doesn't mean we don't try to be culturally relevant. We do, but I I just think I had a moment where someone revealed to me. So I was this was one of my revelatory moments, right? I was talking to someone and talking about how hard it is in the Northwest or something like that, and and he just looked at me and he said, "Do you think the culture is stronger than God?" And that was one of those questions that kind of snuck past my defenses, and I was like, "Oh, I guess I do." You know, like yeah. I would never say that intellectually, but everything else I'm saying and the way I'm living my life says that underneath it all, I do think that. And it took me a while to kind of root all that out and look at it and go, well, that clearly is not true. So how do I engage in a positive way with my culture with the truth about Jesus? And yeah, it took a while to, I'm still learning obviously, but it took a while to work through some of that. And you, you got to continue to adapt because there's a lot of things that stay the same from generation to generation, but I mean, look at the technolo technological changes. iPhone only came out six years ago, <laughs> yeah, right? That's true. That's it, true. It, it can't, it's hard to imagine. I, do you have an iPhone? I don't. I have Android, but I do have a well, smartphone. So you got a smartphone, 
and it's hard. I know it's hard for me to imagine. Well, how did I function efficiently without this? Oh, I I can't imagine our children are going to be able to get anywhere without a phone. Like my, I have plenty of friends and family now who you say. It's at this place, uh, you know, it's about 10, 10 miles away, and they'll be like, hold on, i got to look it up how to get there. Like, right. no one has maps in their car anymore, I don't think. You know, like, everything is altered with that. I have a map. I have a big book of maps in my car. Do you use it? No. Um, <laughs> no, not a chance. Um, but I travel a lot. So, you know, I was in Key West last week, uh -huh. not not for fun, but for work, and the first thing you do when you get in the rental car is you pull up Google Maps and go, how do I get to the hotel? Whereas, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I've been to this job for almost nine years. So before the advent of the smartphone, it, and I would, you know, you, the first thing you do is say, can you give me a map and draw the route for me so I can get there? Yeah, so things change. Not that I, you know, we're digressing a bit here, right. but, I, you know, the point is, is that, you know, you may be able to bring an approach from generation to generation or the issues may be generally the same, but you got to have, you got to adapt your tool set uh, accordingly. I think um, you know that better than I do because you are engaging on the level that I am not. Well, I think we all do that though. Like we're all trying to find the way to talk to our friends in a way that's not offensive. Hopefully. I mean, sometimes you have to be offensive, but not offensive, but makes them see Jesus the way we do. Hopefully as someone who's winsome and enjoyable and beautiful and changes yeah. things in your life. And uh, I haven't found anyone, well, very few people who don't want to talk about Jesus if presented the right way. You know, uh, one of the things I started experimenting with when I lived in Seattle, I run into people who are very, very hostile. And so yes. I would start by saying, what's the, well, okay, good. Let's talk about that. What's the worst thing Christians have done in all of history? They would say, you know, the Crusades or something, uh, Salem witch trials. It might just depend on their background. I say, okay, right. what's the worst thing a Christian's done to you personally? And they would say all sorts of horrific things that made me cringe. And then uh, I would ask them, what is the main teaching of Jesus? And they would always say, everyone would say, love. Yeah. And I would say, That's, that, I think that too. And we'd kind of celebrate that. And then uh, I would say, uh, if that's true, if that's his main teaching, were these people in the first two questions? So the next question I would ask him would be, if the people from, if if it's true that the main teaching of Jesus was love, then are the people in the first two questions following the teaching of Jesus? And they would say no. And then I say, would you right. like to know more about the teachings of Jesus? And they say, yeah. And these are people who were enormously aggressively anti-religion, anti-talking about Jesus, but with a handful of questions. They went to like, yeah, let's have a conversation. That sounds interesting. And I think that's always the thing moving us toward, can we see Jesus more clearly? Because he's such a compelling, attractive person that the more we do that, the, the easier and easier it is to have a conversation about him or to desire to be in relationship with him personally. Not to go down too far down a road, but I think I find that we, we from a macro perspective, American Christians, evangelical can be, uh, when they evangelize, can wield a bludgeon or a rock. Yeah. And uh, they, they, uh, the approach that you describe is one that's certainly more subtle, um, but also more relational than the, hey, um, 
let me throw a couple rocks at you and then invite you to come to church with me. Right. Um, and that doesn't work. Um, and so I find, as you were discussing earlier, that like when I engage with my best friend and we talk about these things and, you know, he's kind of on the borderline that I want to be careful that um, I'm describing how Jesus is working in my life and how that's a positive thing, but not doing it in such a way that makes him feel, A, that he's left out, as in you're talking about something that I can't relate to, but um, also not in such a way that says um, you're excluded, um, you can't be a part of this, and alienates. Right. And that's a fine balance. So I, I imagine you talk about this stuff all the time, and you could talk about this for hours and hours, so I'm not going to... Uh, Oh, yeah. I think it's really interesting, though. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think there's a difference between our idea that we need to get people to believe a few spiritual propositions and the idea that we need to introduce them to the person of Jesus. And that uh, you have two very different approaches if you believe one or the other of those things is your goal. Yeah, this would be something we'll have to get coffee over at the Starbucks yeah. again and actually sit down and, and talk without the without recording. <laughs> so good. Yes, it is. It is ironic that um, that I work about ten minutes from your house, and here we are on Skype. But <laughs> yeah. you know, I got a day off, so this is uh, me back home. But well, let me just ask a couple more questions, and then we'll uh, let you get back to your day. I know that because you have a day job, you've got a family. You also have a podcast, the Story Man, Story Men, Story, Story Men, Man, yeah. Story. Story Men podcast, and I'm going to link to that so people are aware of that. You got a, a lot of endeavors going on in addition to being a published author. So um, how are you staying healthy uh, as an artist, as a, uh, as a, as a head of household? Um, or are you, or do we, should we call in some well, help? Well, that's why I was like, that's a, that's a big assumption. Mostly it's by yeah. not eating Cheetos. That's, that's the one oh, kind of concession. And full circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, the writing stuff is kind of done and fits and starts. Like right now I have another book due August 1st. And so a lot more energy is going into that than other times in the year. The the day job is a you know it's not completely nine to five but essentially um, at this point it is so that provides some space on either end. My my family so my older girls are getting to the to the age that they might be busier than I am between ballet yes. and theater and all these things. Uh, and frankly, a lot of my writing time is often when my youngest is either in the bathtub or falling asleep and I'm sitting in the hallway typing on my laptop. So, yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't, I think like anything with balance, balance is all about moving one way or the other. You know, it's never perfect. So, yeah, whether it's healthy or not, I hope it's in the range of healthy, but I think we're always kind of moving things one way or another to try and get to that perfect place. Yeah, I don't think you're ever there. And if you think you are, you are far from it. Yeah, I mean, there's juggling involved. I think a big piece, too, is my parents live a mile down the road from us, and they're enormously helpful. They take our kids and help move them places and you know do various things for us or with us. And I don't know that I personally would have the capacity to do all the things I'm doing if my parents weren't essentially functioning as a major part of our family. That's excellent. Yeah. Yep. My, my dad is literally a quarter of a mile from my house. Yeah. I never see him, but he's there. <laughs> so anyway, as we're wrapping up here, a couple things. 
I always ask people this. I usually catch them off guard, but uh, I, I actually give you four warnings. So if you blow this, it's your <laughs> okay. fault. So, in terms, I see you're wearing a Switchfoot yep. T-shirt, but in terms, so in terms of music that you listen to, whether you know what's in the uh, the CD player of your car or queued up in an iTunes playlist, um, what kind of music is uh, is working for you these days? Yeah, well, I love Switchfoot. Obviously, I, I listen to them a decent amount. Um, I have also the new Nickel Creek album I like, which just came out. So that's yeah. a little diversity for you. Uh, I have a friend who has a project she's working on called Moda Spira, which I enjoy. Let's see, one more musician. Oh, Josh Garrels, I like quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's some of the music probably going on. Let's see, on the book side, I love comic books, actually. And there's a guy who's like my favorite named Gene Yang. I don't know if you know this guy, but uh, I, I got a preview of his new book coming out next uh, next month. It's called The Shadow Hero. It's spectacular. First Asian-American superhero in, in actually in our United States history. And he's done a retold yeah. story of that guy. Gene Yang, he's Catholic. He lives in um, California. And he's one of the most respected comic people working today. And it's because everything he does is amazing. Who's uh, who's publishing that? Is it Dark Horse? Uh, that's from it's from an independent press called First Second Press, and yeah, it's really great, really excellent. But the his first his first book to like make it huge was called American Born Chinese, and it's beautiful. And he actually takes a Chinese myth, uh, the journey to the West, and retells it. It was a Buddhist story. He retells it as a Christian story. Really fascinating. Really? Oh yeah beautifully done and then he had a recently he had a book called uh saints oh no i can't remember the first part of the book it was a two-part graphic novel that tells the story of the boxer rebellion and again beautifully told jesus is a major player in part of it boxers and saints that's what it's called but yeah okay beautiful stuff i mean this guy's exceptional i i i when i'm trying to convince someone who doesn't read comics to read something, I give them American Born Chinese by Gene Yang. Spectacular. All right. I'm going to link to that. Plus, when we're done with this, I want uh, – we have not interviewed anybody who's a Christian comic book oh. writer before. I would uh, – Gene would yeah, love to so come anyway. on the show, I'm sure. He's spectacular, and I can introduce you, yeah. You are my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for sharing that. I'm a comic book person. People who have listened to podcasts you know I generally ask people – um, it, sometimes I cut it whether they're a, a Marvel or a DC person. Uh -huh. And uh, so far we're a, um, even though we've, uh, I never asked the ladies, so maybe that makes me sexist. But of the people who've responded that we've kept in, we're a 3-2 ratio, 3 DC, 2 Marvel. So where do you sit on that spectrum? Oh, well, I would say I definitely grew up primarily a DC guy. Yeah. But the new 52, which is that recent relaunch, has really ruined it for me. I, there are very few of the books that I enjoy anymore. And a lot of the comics I read now are not as mainstream as the Marvel and DC stuff. There's a few I like, but a lot of what I read now is kind of outside of that world. We get a little spoiled having Dark Horse just around the corner from it's us. Nice. Yeah. Milwaukee, Oregon folks, home of Dark Horse. Yeah. It's exciting to hear and to learn about new artists. So Gene Yang is somebody we'll definitely link to and uh, the other folks that you mentioned so people who are interested um, can try out some of the folks that are that are working for you as Christian artists so 
anyway, just this week, the first time we saw him came out. So I want to encourage folks to check that out, whether it's uh, Amazon or wherever you might uh, get great books. I think it's already out on, available on Kindle. So um, for folks who want to connect with you or learn uh, more about what you're up to or otherwise, uh, how are you engaging with people on social media otherwise? Yeah, if you can spell my name, you can find me, which is, that's actually more challenging than you would think. So my last name is M-I-K-A-L-A-T-O-S, Michalotis. And I'm on Twitter as Matt Michalotis. I'm on Facebook as Matt Michalotis. You can go to michalotis.com. You can search for Michalotis and anyone who comes up, they're all related to me. So uh, every Michelotis in the United States is directly related to me, so they can point you the right direction. But uh, yeah, that anywhere you type in Michelotis, Facebook, Twitter, I'm, I, I even have a MySpace account that I never, never check, but there you go. So, so folks, don't go to his MySpace. Yeah, exactly. If you are hoping to, some, to get some response from him, that would be the, uh, the bad place. But uh, he's pretty active on Twitter. I, uh, I follow him myself and, and see his tweets. This week, there are a lot about this book that he wrote. But otherwise, he's pretty engaging. You've got a blog um, and also the Story Men uh, podcast. Yes. So all of these things we'll share on the show notes. So if you're listening, make sure that you get over to the show notes and you can link directly to those. And uh, and maybe I can follow up with Brianna, 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 and see if she might provide us a copy of the book that we could um, give away to somebody. Great. So that would be fun to, to share that with folks. And because you're close, if she mails it to me, I can have you sign it and it could be a signed Perfect. copy. That would be amazing. All right, I've kept you on for an hour, so I'm gonna let you get going. Well, I appreciate your time and uh, tell your family I appreciate their patience uh, giving up uh, an hour uh, while you chat with the media. <laughs> exactly. You know. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Jeff. Yeah, man. Take care. Awesome, Joe. Thanks again for part two of your interview with Matt. Uh, great conversation. And uh, I love the the talk about, you know, apologetics and uh, evangelism. Yeah, he's. Um, I mean, a man, definitely a man on the street, and uh, and I I really appreciate the how his um, his his day job really influences the way that he writes, and probably the thing I took away from that, gosh, as much as anything, was that discussion of Northwest and is it more difficult in Northwest and that whole idea of, so do you think the culture is stronger than God? I mean, that was convicting to me probably as much as it was convicting to him when he first yeah. heard that and uh, it's really easy to get hung up on oh we're you know we're handicapped here in the northwest because everybody's uh, very academic and intellectual and looks down on faith but you know what it's a different set of tools and that's uh yeah well as i've shared in, on past episodes my favorite show on television for the longest time was frazier yeah and it's based in seattle and and the whole mantra of that is about intellectualism and how um, you know, like high society and everyone's, it's all about, you know, the expensive coffees and, and the experience. I don't know anything about the, the Pacific Northwest. Um, I'm probably in the most opposite place on earth in Prince Edward Island, Canada. Perhaps. Um, so yeah, it was in interesting to hear those perspectives. And, uh, the other thing, uh, obviously that, I was left with is, is I'm really very interested in getting 
in touch with Gene Yang. So I'm going to be pinging Matt again and saying, um, hey, remember we talked about Gene Yang? And uh, part of the reason we haven't, I haven't got any information on him is Matt was overseas um, serving for uh, about three weeks. So oh, okay. I've been kind of waiting for him to resettle back here uh, before that comes back. So hopefully uh, we get an opportunity to talk to Gene because I'm a comic book geek and the idea of interviewing a comic book uh, uh, writer, it just, my geek factor just goes through the ceiling. <laughs> Are we going to have to use special effects, sound effects during that episode just to make it more interesting? Oh, oh I hope so. Like Bam and Pow. Oh, oh sorry. That's like old Batman. Do you know what? I think that might be insulting. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> because because uh, comic books, you know, especially graphic novels, have become a pretty well-respected art form for people in that circle. I mean, it really is yeah. some remarkable art. And if you have some perspective on how those things come together, it's astonishing. But so many of us get locked into the, oh, you know, the 1966 Batman TV show. You know, like yeah. you, you narrow-minded <laughs> loser. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> nice. Well, and I should I should note, um, I think we can say it now because I think we're listed on their website. We should be on the Goodberry podcast soon. Yeah. Um, I know we did the interview a few months ago, and I they did a whole slew of interviews all in a very short period of time. But yeah, we're, we're queued up. Uh, we're number three in the queue as of today, and it's... Uh, Gosh, what, October 18th, 19th, as of this recording. So it could be just mm -hmm. a few weeks, but we'll let you know. We'll make sure we share it in social media, and um, we may be even so full of ourselves that we'll put a dedicated post that we'll link over there. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I should note that you said October, not August. Well, I know how long it takes for us to kick these things out. <laughs> I just thought I would throw that out. No, there, thanks. <laughs> I do that all the time. I've probably done that since third grade when I finally figured out what the months of the year were. So, sorry, yes, it's yeah. it's, it's uh, <laughs> Tuesday, August 19th. So, this should come out. Uh, we expect this to be posted on Friday. And by the way, did I tell you what I'm doing on Friday? No, you didn't. Friday is Hood to Coast, the, the world's largest relay race. And uh, I'm running that. So I will be out in a van with five other stinky people running 200 miles <laughs> from the top of Mount Hood to Seaside, Oregon. Pretty exciting. Right. You, you've done that in the past, right? I think I remember seeing you. Yeah, this is my fifth time do doing it. It's, uh, it's yeah. pretty cool. One of these days I'll have to actually get out and run. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. You, you watch video of me. No one else has to look at me. <laughs> Dude, you are much better looking than I am. Uh, you know, the the fact that you have, I don't know, 2,700 followers on Twitter and I have five, I mean, should be enough of an explanation, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I don't know what to say. We can't about. all be beautiful, Goldilocks. <laughs> My wife is beautiful. I am not beautiful. I can't comment on that one way or the other. <laughs> but on that note, yeah. if you're still tolerating Joe and I and want to continue to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at Frequency FM. And we are on Facebook as well. And it's facebook.com slash Frequency FM. And you can send us an email at any time at info at Frequency.FM. That's true. 
We'd love to hear from you. We do respond. I, I don't know that we always respond in the most timely of uh, timely fashion, but we're we're uh, we're better. We're better. Um, unless you're Jen Haugland from Washington State, who left a a comment two months ago, and, and I finally responded. I apologize, Jen. That was really really slow. Yeah, sometimes we're really good at reading, and we get excited, and then one of us thinks the other responded. I think that's really the big problem we have is. We get so excited, we talk to each other about things, and then no one picks up the gauntlet and goes with it. <laughs> I think there's also the, did you do that? No. Oh, I thought you did that. And then, you know, two months later, did, oh, oh, sorry, Jen. We're really, really sorry. <laughs> and you know what the real irony in that is? Is that we're both certified project managers. That is ironic, sad, and painful to consider. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Oh, well. We have we have God's grace. We do have God's grace. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Oh, you were... Oh, is that from a movie? I don't know. I remember it from oh. a uh, Richie Fike interview. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And, well, I remember it from other things, too, but like Don Moen, but uh, showing my age. <laughs> but that was also on God's Not Dead, the movie. Oh. Little trivia for Thank you. Thank you. And that's as, about, as much as it's going to be for me because I... <laughs> have no intention of watching that movie. There you go. Well, thanks again, Joe, and thank you to all of you who are uh, continuing to listen to the podcast. We have um, many more interviews coming up and reviews, and we love to hear from you. We love to get comments. Uh, keep communicating with us, and thank you for listening. Yep, and uh, never stop creating in his name. God bless. God bless.